If you're like me, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> I'm laughing because the dogs are oblivious, but there's a chipmunk that's peeking out at them over a rock, like three feet away, clearly watching them. All right, let's restart. If you're like me, uh, we've now entered the phase of stuff happening with Black Lives Matter. We've gone through several waves. First, of thinking, God, what just happened? That's terrible. And then seeing the response from people and thinking, wow. And then seeing all the other stuff and going, whoa. And then thinking, geez. And then talking about it and being like, no, no, that's not what I meant. And then feeling like people got what you meant. And now things are at the point where it feels like we're in the long tail of trying to behave in a new normal way and thinking in a new normal way and continuing to challenge ourselves in a new normal way. But it can be hard to continue that work if, like me, you live in a white bubble. I live in a town where there are no black people that I know of. There's one guy who I'm not sure if he works, if he lives in town, he works at a local business. He's the shipping dude. And I see him if I need to drop something off for UPS. That's it. There are two or three Hispanic families that may or may not live in town. Their kids go to the school, but a lot of kids request into our school from the other towns. And there's a guy who has a lawn mowing business who I see mowing the lawn across the street. So in my physical life, I don't see or interact with this stuff because it's not where I am. <clears throat> but I interact with this stuff every day online and through listening to the radio, on the news on the radio, and reading the newspaper. And so the question for me is, what do I do with that information? The tempting thing is to use my platform, my voice, 
especially when people ask me to. But I, and I do to some extent, but I also recognize that I am deeply, deeply in a learning phase. I do not understand these things natively. This is not something that I've grown up with. Obviously, that's privilege. But just because I have a, a, a potential space to have a voice does not mean that I understand what to do with that voice. And so sometimes I feel like I should be quiet. I also sometimes feel like I'm not talking about it because as a guy, I am moved to fix problems immediately. And I sometimes feel My gut instinct is to see a problem and be like, all right, let's deal with it right away, right? That's what I do in every other aspect of my life. It sometimes drives my wife crazy because she comes to me with a problem. She doesn't want me to fix it. She wants me to empathize, to sit there with her with the problem, not to be the one trying to fix the problem. And I've come to recognize that... To some extent, when I can't fix the problem right away, there's a part of me that feels like, okay, well then, you know, what the heck do I do? Fixing the systemic racism in our society is going to be something that happens through all of us making small changes, demanding big changes, shifting our ideas about what has happened in the past and what ought to happen in the future. It's easier sometimes to fixate on immediate things that ought to happen. Demanding justice for somebody. Somebody just sent me. I think it was Veronica. She didn't send it to me. I I saw it on her stories. A story of this young guy, this kid, who got choked out and ultimately died for nothing. Three cops choked him out. And then a medic administered so much ketamine that it killed him. And all this kid had done was wear a ski mask type type face mask because he was cold. (sighs) So there are moments like that that are 
that are immediate things that you can see to do. One of the things I liked about Veronica's post, it's an at flavor kit, in case you don't know her. She's a fellow spoon carver and an uh, extraordinary gardener. Um, so that there's a list of immediate actions you can take, but there's also a role that we can have in shaping our own communities and expectations as well. Six years ago, right when we moved to our town, um, the town we were living in was embroiled in a police scandal of our own. Nothing as horrible as that. But it was a scandal because the police chief was this... Um, well, I'm not going to swear. So he was a jerk. And he was grandstanding around, making people feel unsafe and uncomfortable. <clears throat> not to the level of physical violence, but certainly to the level of... making people feel like he was going to investigate them for stupid stuff if they got in his way. And so the town took him down. This is a small town, 2,000 people, maybe fewer, 1,400 people. You know, we have one police chief who's part-time and a couple part-time cops. And I sat in on a couple of those town meetings because I was in town government at that time on the Parks Commission. And so it was part of waiting for our turn to present our own little insignificant thing. I got to see what the select board was dealing with. Um, and it's that kind of action that I think is going to broadly shift the culture. Obviously, there are big things. The police bill that is, I can't remember if it's passed or about to be, was a start. Obviously, there's more to be done on the national level, but on the local level, that kind of community takedown of a police force that is behaving badly is what is needed. And obviously, the larger the city you get, the larger town you get, the harder and harder it is to do because it's got more money, it's more entrenched, 
it's a bigger change that you're asking for. I think the temptation for many of us right now is to stop engaging with this stuff because we're human and we feel like our attention span is finite and we let ourselves off the hook for thinking about this thing at least until the next thing comes around and you can certainly burn out on it and that's not helpful either but I feel like it helps there are, there are a couple things that help me one is if you haven't done something to take action whether it's doing some sort of thoughtful post on your social media or talking about it in some way either privately with somebody or publicly like this that's important it's also important especially if you're white like me to recognize that for this shift to actually happen in our culture it needs to happen within white culture and I get it if parts of how this all went down made you uncomfortable it did me as well <clears throat> but that doesn't let us off the hook for it being our responsibility to help make this change happen and you don't have to agree with everything that happened to agree with the underlying thing You don't have to agree that riots were necessary to decide to step up in this moment. You don't have to agree with everything that everybody's saying to decide to do something in this moment. It's a double-edged sword of social media that we see everything because we see stuff that makes us feel inspired and it's a great way to mobilize a lot of people. But we can also see stuff that makes us turn away. And of course, the truth is all of it. The truth has always been all of it. We just have had less of an overarching view of everything before social media. So it doesn't change our obligation to take the parts that we believe in and try to move them forward. We have this powerful tool in our hands, in our pockets, in the form of these cell phones, in the form of social media platforms, 
in the form of the internet that allows us to seek out the people who are being thoughtful in the ways that we uh, appreciate, in the ways that make sense to us. And so it doesn't have to be entirely on us to decide what to do. It is on us to figure out who we want to listen to, to help us synthesize our own opinion. Not who we want to listen to, to then be the opinion we follow. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, whose voices do we listen to, to synthesize our own opinion? And it's okay to not include everything that everybody is saying in your own assessment of what's important and what matters. But remember, we still have the responsibility to engage with this. If you want to engage further with this, in particular, in helping support with money some causes, here are two. The first is put together by the Seattle Spoon Club. If you just search for Seattle Spoon Club, you'll find their account. They're holding a raffle with a whole bunch of different spoons with all money going to the organization Crafting the Future, which promotes diversity in the crafting scene, something I think we can all respect. The Seattle Spoon Club is receiving this issue's Spoonosaurus Service Award for this effort. And I believe the raffle will continue through June 29th. So hop on it. The other raffle that just got started is from the main craft school where Kenneth Kortemeyer is raffling off an axe with all the proceeds going to the Southern Poverty Law Center, an organization I grew up reading the periodical of because my parents had belonged to it forever that promotes social justice. Both of these raffles are a good way to get involved if you feel like you need that, you, you, want, you want to have a chance to win something. Remember, you don't need a raffle to contribute. You can just decide to contribute and contribute also. The raffle is to sweeten the pot, but if you don't need the pot sweetened, just contribute. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk about something tomorrow.